Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number 19. I want to say about this service or services with uh, Brother Lambeth, I have felt this uh, very strong in the Holy Ghost that we um, needed to have these services with Brother Lambeth. And uh, actually, I was praying in here one day, went out and called him. It's, as you know, not easy to get a hold of people in another country. And uh, dialed his number. He answered the phone. He has a number that's rigged up some way through the internet. And um, so I called and he answered the phone and we began to talk. And I told him what the Lord I felt had placed upon my heart and he agreed to come. And I want us to agree to be here in those services, every one of them, as I know that the Lord is going to move us forward. And uh, I, I believe and am anticipating great, great things uh, for those services on, um, I think it's 13th, 14th, and 15th of September. You know, uh, the Bible talks about them calling a holy assembly, a holy convocation, and uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a time of consecration before the Lord. Because I believe God has taken us somewhere, and I, I want him to. Don't you? I want to ride the vehicle that God has prepared for us. Amen. If you have your Bibles, 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. And verse 1. Somebody might wonder what this, what I'm doing now that I've never brought my phone to the pulpit. I've got the phone off. But what I do have is a, is a time timing device on here. Don't you wish all preachers had one of them? Praise God. Amen. Now, that doesn't really mean anything if the Holy Ghost gets to moving, but that's a good point to stop if the Holy Ghost isn't moving. Praise God, I tell you. Uh, you know what? I've, I've learned a long time ago, if you're not hitting oil, just quit drilling. Praise God. But I believe we're going to strike oil here tonight. Praise God. First Kings chapter 19, verse 1, and Ahab told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done. Now you know that this was just after the incident at Mount Carmel. And this was after the fire had fell and consumed uh, the altar and the stones at the altar had been built with and licked up all the water and all the prophets of Baal and Grove were slain there. And the scripture says that Ahab come back and was whining to Jezebel and told her all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then, I want you to note this verse, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Let the gods do to me 
and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And uh, I know that that might seem like an unusual uh, verse of Scripture for a text tonight, but I want to preach what I feel in the Holy Ghost, and that is Jezebel cannot kill me today. Jezebel cannot kill me today. Praise the Lord. Why don't you lift up your hands with me right now, and let's pray for Holy Ghost anointing to take over in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we do need your touch tonight. We understand that without you we can do nothing. I'm praying, God, for your help, your strength, your blessing in this place. I'm asking you to touch each and every heart that is gathered here. Help faith to arise in our heart, encouragement to come, and blessings, God, to abound in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Praise God. Would you clap your hands to him once again? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Jezebel cannot kill me today. Everybody say today. Praise the Lord. You know, momentum is a marvelous and a mysterious thing. And those of us that are in the ministry are always fascinated with uh, momentum and how it works, especially when it concerns the local church. I've heard a lot of preachers say, you know, we got the big mo going right now. And what they're really saying is, is we got a lot of momentum in the spirit. A lot of good things are happening. God is blessing. God is moving. And not only is he moving, because I do believe he always wants to move. Let me let that just hang there until I get the right response here tonight. I believe he always wants to move. Well, let me say it one more time. I believe he always wants to move. Amen. I may have to bump up my time tonight if, if things are going to go slow like this because I didn't come to give a Bible study tonight. I come to preach the word of the Lord. How many is going to help me preach the word of the Lord? Praise God. And uh, really what God needs is people that will flow with it, people that will respond Respond immediately, respond spontaneously to the moving of the Holy Ghost. And that creates what we call momentum. And spiritual momentum in a saint of God's life can propel them from victory to victory. Amen. It seems like if, you, if you're able to obtain one victory in your life and you have that testimony to stand upon, then it's easier for you to believe that God is able to give you greater victory in the future. The next time that temptation comes, the next time that there is a struggle or a battle in the spirit realm, you have a confidence, you have a faith, you feel an authority in God that I, I can not only withstand this, but I can be victorious over this. God can help me to overcome because I know that he has in the past. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us, and I quote it oftentimes, that we are made overcomers by the word of our testimony. That's why it's so important that we have testimonies like this tonight that Sister Fields told us about the healing in her body. When you hear testimonies like that, it's easier for you to believe that if God did it for her, he can also do it for you. It inspires your faith. And when you possess that testimony yourself that God has healed you or God has delivered you or God has worked a miracle for you, it's easier for you the next time that you need him to stand in faith and believe God with confidence and be bold about it and say, God, I know because you've done it before. I know because I have seen it happen in the past. I'm aware that you're able because this is not my first time to be in this place. This is not the first time that the devil's ever attacked me. This is not the first time I've ever had a problem with my health. This is not the first time that I've ever had a situation in my family. This is not the first time the devil's ever got on my finance. But God, I know that you are able to give me a miracle because you've done it before. Oh, that ought to make somebody want to shout a little bit here tonight. Praise God. Praise God. And so spiritual momentum is an interesting thing in a saint of God's life. And then when you think about it corporately or collectively as a church, that momentum even gets greater. And you know what? It's catching. It's contagious. Amen. When somebody's faith gets inspired, uh, thank God the flu is not the only thing that spreads in the church. Amen. But faith can spread. And when somebody gets inspired and their faith rises and they start believing God for things and, and they get some victories under their belt. You know what makes you a winner is, is, is not necessarily that you get some lofty gold out there and say, that's what I'm going to tackle. And bless God, that's what I'm going to do for the Lord. But incrementally in your walk with God, day by day, you get up every morning. When your feet hit the ground, you understand that I'm an overcomer, that I what I have in me is greater than what's in this world. I have the Holy Ghost. I have the power of God. I can be victorious. I don't have to, I don't have to live under the oppression of the devil not for one moment but I can be victorious in spite of it all amen that's, that's the way the Lord wants us to live our lives but, but thankfully when it catches a hold it's like fire it spreads and other saints of God get a hold of that and when the church when the church and the majority of the church catches that wave of momentum it, it seems like Things that would be opposition in times past are suddenly steamrolled. Amen. Things that would have been a problem at times are not anything significant. It seems like that everything that the devil tries to throw in the path of a church that's got momentum, it just rolls right over it and keeps trucking on and only gains more momentum. 
That's why when he sees that flicker of faith, when he sees that spark of revival, he tries to extinguish it at that point. He doesn't want it to spread. He doesn't ever want it to catch fire. He doesn't want the spirit of revival to break out in the church. So he starts while it's in its infantile stages to try to smother it, to try to destroy it, to try to stop it. And we ought to recognize this. Because even the devil knows that if a stone starts rolling down a hill, it's easier to stop a boulder when it first starts than to stand at the bottom of the hill and try to stop it at a dead stop after it's been rolling for some time because it's got a whole lot more energy. It's got a whole lot more momentum behind it. If it ever gets started rolling and it makes a few turns and it starts down that hill, the devil knows he's in trouble. I feel like God's going to shake some things up and some things are going to start rolling in this house. Bible talked about Peter Petra, meaning a small stone, and that small stone got dislodged in Acts chapter two. And before the day the day was over, and the devil could get it stopped, three thousand people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what momentum will do. A few chapters later, 5,000 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what momentum will do. We need spiritual momentum in this house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, clap your hands and let's praise the Lord together. Amen. That's what the devil fears. He don't fear anybody sitting still and been stagnant, spiritually speaking. He doesn't, he doesn't fear anybody that's discontent to be where they are. But if you ever start moving, if you ever start progressing, if you ever start reaching, if you ever start getting tired of your comfort zone, if you ever get dislodged from that place, the devil's in a whole lot of trouble. As we like to say, he's in a heap of trouble. Praise God, because momentum will crush the efforts of the enemy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, you know this spiritual, this spiritual battle that you and I are involved in, it's, it's, it's something that uh, the devil, the Bible said the spirit in the last day would try to wear down the saints of the Most High. So, so my desire has always been to try to sustain, you know, I don't want just a, a good sprinter for a saint, a guy that can run or a, or a saint of God that can run a 100-yard dash like Carl Lewis, break all kinds of records. But, but when it comes to the marathon, doesn't have much ability because we understand we're in this thing for longevity. We, we understand that this is a journey. We understand that there's milestones along the way. And, and we may have spurts of, of, of extra spiritual energy that we use and, and have times when we're burning hot for God. But you know, it would be a whole lot better if we could sustain that, that momentum and that energy and that strength and that fire if we could keep it burning. The Bible talks about in the book of Leviticus chapter 6 that once that fire on the altar was ignited that it was a fire that was to never go out 
Praise the Lord. It's not God's intention for people to be up and down. It's not God's intention for people to, to be on fire one week and, and, and then down and out the next week. That's not, that's not living for God like you're supposed to. You're to be a victorious saint of God. You're, you're to be on top of it. Amen. You're, you're to be a person that walks with God in faith. I may not be feeling like I'd like to feel, but I have faith that God's in control. I may not understand understand everything that's going on but I trust that I'm in his hands and I put my faith in him and I'm walking with him oh yeah come on let's lift up some praise to the Lord let's let's elevate our faith just a little bit here let's believe God here tonight for what he wants to do in this house I feel some momentum building here tonight I said, I feel some spiritual momentum breaking loose in this house tonight. Yeah. That's all right. Praise God. Praise God. He'll break loose if you'll allow him to break loose. In Jesus' name, touch it right now. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. There's no telling what could happen in this place if somebody just let the Holy Ghost breathe on you a little bit and move you with the flow of the Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You know, when you, when you get in the flow of, of what I'm talking about, little things, little things don't bog you down. Little things, amen, do not become such a hindrance to you, an obstacle to you. Amen. Uh, it seems like when, when the devil gets a foothold in a person's life, that's why the Bible says neither give place to the devil. Don't even give him an opportunity. Amen. Praise God. Keep the fire burning so hot and so fervent that there's no place for him in your life. I've seen seen a critical spirit get on folks when when they don't have that, that flow of spiritual momentum in their life and they become critical of everything. Hey, I don't have time to sit on the sidelines. I'm too involved in the game to worry about every little detail that's going on and let it be some kind of thing that I want to criticize. Sit back and say, well, the preacher preached too long, sounds too loud, and, and it's too hot in here, it's too cold in here. Amen. If you've got time to sit around and think about those things all service, you're not in the flow of what God's doing. Well, I lost half my crowd right there, but I'm just telling you, it's the truth anyhow. Praise God. When you're involved in the work of God, little things you don't even notice. Amen. I said little things you don't even notice. I'll tell you, tell you something else. I have noticed when the enemy gets a foothold in somebody's life, the least little thing offends them. You looked at me wrong. You said the wrong thing at the wrong time. 
Oh, come on now. We're bigger than that. Amen. We got the Holy Ghost. We got the Spirit of God on the inside of us. You need to grow up. You need to mature a little bit in God and realize, amen, I don't have to be, I don't have to be soft-soaked every time I come to the house of God. I don't have to have the preacher to pet me down every time I come to the house of God. I love Jesus. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm in this place. I'm not looking to be offended. I'm not looking for an exit. I'm just glad to be a part of the church of the living God. You know what the truth of the matter is about the person that's always offended so easily is they're really looking for an exit. They're looking for an excuse. They don't want to take the blame themselves, so they're looking to pin it on somebody else. Well, we're not going to set the blame for you. Amen. You need to realize you need to pray through the Holy Ghost because little things will not offend you if you got the Holy Ghost. Great peace do them that love my law, and nothing shall offend them. You didn't know that was in the Bible. Or some of you forgot it. Praise God, but it's in there. Praise the Lord. You know, you walk with God in a period of time, you're going to have a snag or two. And you get a church this size, and everybody's personality ain't going to gee and haul. Like, like, you know, I mean, everybody's created different. Amen. But we're part of a body, and we got to work together. Oh, yeah. Because momentum, spirit, there's souls out there that need the Lord. There's people that need the Holy Ghost. This is bigger than me and my feelings and me being treated just right and me being petted all the time and me getting all the attention all the time. It's bigger than that. There's souls out there that need the Holy Ghost. There's too many people in the city of Texarkana that are on their way to hell. We need spiritual momentum. Somebody needs to stoke this fire. Somebody needs to be consumed with a spirit of revival. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. And this, this little story that I read to you, I mean, it's an amazing story. I, I couldn't speak of more spiritual mo- momentum in the Old Testament than this particular day. I mean, this is a highlight. This is a high water mark. You ever been in a flood zone that shows back in 1929? There was a flood through here, and this is where the water was. And there's a mark there, and you, you sit there, and you, you're astounded by the water mark. Amen. Well, this is a high water mark for the people of God. Elijah meets Ahab and challenges him to a duel, tells him to get the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Drobe on Mount Carmel. And the God that answers by fire is the God that we're going to serve. Now, I'm not going to belabor this story because I think most of us are aware of it. But it is amazing to me that these men, they were fervently and passionately worshiping their God. More fervently than the majority of us have worshiped our God here tonight. And their God was inanimate. Their God was not able to help them. Their God was not able to hear them. But that didn't squelch their passion and their belief that their God was going to answer them and they thought if they got just a little bit louder and and they did it with a little bit more passion and zeal that surely he would answer and it resulted in them cutting themselves 
And when you look around at this world, you're, you're seeing the worship of people to their gods, trying to get their gods, reaching out for some deity, reaching out for somebody that will listen, crying out for God to answer them. That's why we're seeing the viciousness that we see in our world. We're seeing people mutilating their own bodies. We're seeing people that are, that are gyrating, amen, to, to all kinds of, of rock stars and rock bands to the point that they get in a crazed fit and lose their mind high on drugs. And, and uh, the result of that is so much damage to their health and things that happen. And it's amazing the things that are going on. But that's how the world worships their God. But there's a distinction between the way that the world worships their God and we worship our God. You see, the world's God requires death and our God requires life. He said, I will give my life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. Is that what he said in Romans 12 and 1? As far back as the Canaanites in the Bible, they were killing their sons, sacrificing their own flesh and blood on the altars to their God. And you think it isn't happening today, but you see people leading their families uh, into these places uh, where, where it's godless, into ball stadiums and all kinds of things, gyrating and acting fools uh, for the gods of this world. I'm telling you, we got a God that brings life to us, uh, that brings hope to us, uh, that brings joy to us, uh, that brings peace to the family. Doesn't bring confusion into our lives. He brings hope into our lives. He doesn't bring us down, but he lifts us up. I'm so thankful that when I leave this house, I leave with a better feeling. I leave with hope. I leave with joy. I leave with the peace of God in my heart. Go to a casino, you leave. You leave a whole lot more burden than when you got there. In most cases. You know, it's astounding to me. How do you think they got those big opulent buildings? Is that because they're giving so much of that stuff away? Oh, no. Come on, wise up. Praise God. You, you, you can leave. You can leave. I don't know how much they pay, but it's amazing to me. Uh, I, have, I have seen that uh, they have scalpers and different ones that, that, that give you tickets to a certain game, and they pay an exorbitant amount of money to be able to go for maybe an hour and a half, two hours uh, of being there and being entertained. And when they leave, do they leave feeling better? Many times, especially if their particular team loses, uh, they feel worse than when they arrive. And hope is taken away from them. But aren't you thankful that when you come to the house of God, that God that you serve never loses. Uh, his record, uh, amen, is wins. Uh, amen, wins. Uh, wins. Uh, upon wins and no losses. Uh, I'm thankful that I'm serving the conqueror. I'm thankful that I'm serving the God that is victorious. He doesn't know defeat. He doesn't know what it is to lose. Amen. It's always victory. It's always winning. It's always powerful. It's always glorious. Amen. Is there somebody here that's excited about serving the Lord? 
and the degree of difficulty doesn't really matter to our God because the Bible said that finally, after they had went from morning all the way into the noon hours, and their God had not heard them, they'd resorted to cutting themselves and tearing down the altar that Elijah gathered the stones, 12 of them, representing the 12 tribes of Israel, built back the altar. And he said, you know what? Just in case anybody should doubt, he said, bring, bring four barrels of water and, and place them on this altar. Now, I don't know what a barrel was and how, how much it contained in that particular day and time. I know what a barrel is today. I was up there in Canada, and they have the metric system. They have liters. Somebody said, how much gas do you need? They wanted me to pay for it up front. I said, I have no idea how many liters of gas I need. But I'm hoping I don't need too much of it by the looks of this price here. I know how much liters will fill this thing up. And because I didn't know how much liters would fill the tank up, I didn't know how fast to drive, or at least that's the excuse I used. When I got out on the highway, it was kilometers. Or as we say here in East Texas, kilometers. It was kilometers when I got out there on the highway. I didn't know, and if a cop pulled me over, I was going to feign that I didn't know what was going on or how fast I needed to drive, and I didn't want to learn because I had somewhere to go in a hurry. But if if 52-gallon barrels were being used in that day, let's just say that they were, because you don't know I don't know if they were, and you don't know if they weren't, so that works. Four barrels of water. And then it was done three times, the Scripture says. And so, by my quick calculations, and I could be wrong because it was quick calculations, I'm thinking somewhere around 624 gallons of water. Nobody get your calculator out right now, please. So much so it saturated the altar, filled up the trench that was around it until it looked like an impossibility that fire could ever come and consume anything in that particular place. And the Bible says, and I want you to note this, that Elijah gathered all the people together and he began to pray. Now you understand up until this, this point there had been a drought in Israel. And so he placed that water on there to let them know there wasn't any incidental fire here. This was God that did it. And when he prayed his prayer, God answered him by fire. The scripture says that the fire came and it burnt so fervently that it not only burned up the sacrifice that was on the altar, but it burned up the altar of stones that it was created out of. Those 12 stones were completely burned up in the heat of that fire and it licked up all the water, even the water that was in the trenches. And the people that were witnessing this looked around and said, the Lord, he is 
Notice what they said and how they said it. You can read this in verse 36 of chapter 18 of 1 Kings. He he said, the Lord, he is not God, but he is the God. Oh, because there's been a lot of worship going up to gods. Amen. But we want it to be known that the Lord Jehovah that we serve, he is the God. He is the only God that really counts. He's the only God that really hears. He's the only God that really responds. He's the only God that really answers. He's the only God that's really able. He is the God. Aren't you thankful that you know it? You're not confused. You're not stooped in some Trinitarian false doctrine here tonight. But you know that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. You know him to be God. Amen. I'm thankful that I know who Jesus is. Sad to say sometimes we're not nearly as excited about that revelation as we should be. But we should still shout when the preacher gets up and talks about our God, the mighty God is in Christ. Amen. Reconciling the world unto himself. It ought to thrill your soul that you have a revelation of who he is. That you know his name. My time is running out. I mean, you talk about victory. There was dancing. There was shouting. Spiritual momentum. Oh, praise God. It reminds me of a glorious Sunday night church service where fire falls. People get the Holy Ghost. People are baptized in Jesus' name. It was awesome. That's what it's kind of reminiscent of. And they were so excited. They were so thrilled. They were, they were. They just felt like they could take it all on. I mean, we've defeated the prophets of Baal and the prophets of Grove. And, and now God has, his banner's been lifted high in all the land. And Ahab goes whining back to his wife, Jezebel. And we know that Jezebel has represented a lot of things in Scripture. But always been a killer of revival. Always been a momentum stopper for the church. You let a spirit of Jezebel break out in the church, which is really essentially a spirit of rebellion. It'll stop revival every time. It'll stop a move of God every time. And she got to hearing the report of the revival that had took place and and the move of God that was happening through the prophet Elijah. And as she heard that testimony, it began to cause smoke to kind of come out of her ears. And and she was fuming. I mean, she was seething in herself. She was mad. And she called for one of her servants. She said, I want to send a message to that prophet. I want to tell him a thing or two. You tell him, not today, not today, because I got sense enough to know I couldn't do nothing today about what's happening. I got sense enough to know there's too much momentum, too much shouting, too much power of God, too much glory, too much anointing down there for me to do anything about it. But tomorrow, when everybody goes home and church is dismissed and the thing is over and everybody goes back to the house and Elijah's by himself, he ain't in much to bunch of bunch of uh, worshipers and, and he's not there dancing around that altar and the fire's not falling anymore. I'm going to tell you then I'm going to make him just like one of those prophets that he slayed of mine. 
And it's interesting to me, and this is what stood out to me. She said, she said, tomorrow. Now, she's so mad. She's so powerful. She's got so much authority. She's the queen of the land. If she has so much going for her, why not today? I'll tell you why. It occurred to me there was way too much momentum on Elijah's side for her to contradict him today. So she said, I'll wait until tomorrow. Oh, ooh, that makes me want to preach right there. Because isn't that just how the devil operates? That's just how the devil works. He knows better than march himself into this sanctuary right now. He knows better than march himself in here on a Sunday night or dinner revival service or uh, Sunday morning or Wednesday and try to jump on you and try to attack you and try to get you down on yourself, cause you to throw in the towel, cause you to backslide, come against you with some some silly thing. He knows better than to do that. Amen. He knows better to step in here when there's red hot worship and the power of God is flowing and the preacher is preaching and the fire is falling. He knows better than to step into the sanctuary there. But he said, wait. Amen. Church is going to be dismissed after a while. They're going to have to go home sometime. Amen. And they're going to have to go back to their job. And they're going to have to get around all those worldly people. And they're going to be walking through life. And life sometimes can get challenging. And there's going to be aches and pains. And there's going to be financial challenges. And there's going to be situations that are just life. And when they get at a low or a low, that's when I'm going to come. And that's when I'm going to try my best to destroy them. I may not be able to get them today, but you just wait until tomorrow. And if I can't get them then, I'll wait until the next day. But whenever, I'm a patient devil and I'll wait as long as I can to try to destroy them. So as I told you before, I'm always interested in how to sustain momentum. And so I come up with at least three things here very quickly that I feel like if we could implement them that are today, we could stretch it out a little bit. Amen. And we could live in that, that, that place and we could dwell in that place that is beyond the reach of the devil. How many wants to live in a place that's beyond the reach not that he couldn't come against you, but he can never destroy you. He can never get a hold of you. He can never completely, amen, count you out and wreak havoc in your life because you live in a place that he can't really get a hold of you like you'd like, like he'd like to. Isn't it? Isn't that what God said about Job? He said, You got a hedge around him. And even when that hedge was taken down, Job had a second hedge of his own consecration to God that kept him through that difficult time when it seems like he was forsaken by God. Neither give place to the devil. Amen. The Bible talks about that Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he, and here's the key word, may devour Note that it doesn't say he will or that he can absolutely, but it says that he's looking for whom he may. He's always on the prowl, and he knows better than to jump on some, but he's looking for the weak. He's looking for the isolated. He's looking for the one, a man that's sucking their thumb when they leave the house of God. He's looking for the one that's nurturing an old wound. He's looking for the one, a man that at that particular time is not on fire like they need to be on fire, and that's the 
one. He said, I may not be able to get them today when they're fresh out of the oils, but you just wait till tomorrow. And so, amen, I got to thinking, what would make a saint of God untouchable? Why couldn't Jezebel get him? Why couldn't she destroy? Why couldn't the enemy get to Elijah at that particular time? What made him untouchable? First of all, he was too close to the altar. He was too close to the altar. And as long as I have an altar... As long as I'm an altar builder, as long as I have a place where I can get a hold of God, the devil, it doesn't matter how much he comes against me, it doesn't matter what he throws at me, I can always counteract it if I can find the altar. Amen. You could tell a lot about the people of God and the spiritual climate of their nation by them and how many altars they were building unto God and where they were building those altars. In fact, you, you can study the life of Abraham. We know that Abraham, among many things, a man of faith, but also a man that was an altar builder. And the scripture says that initially when God gave him his very first promise to come out of the land of the Arab Chaldees and follow him and seek a city whose builder and maker was God, the scripture says that he immediately built an altar between Bethel and Ai. Bethel being representative of the house of God and Ai meaning meaning the scrap heap or the dump. Amen. In other words, he built an altar between the he built an altar between the church and the world. In other words, that there's times that I want to go back there's times that I want to look back I'll always stumble across the altar of consecration that I made to God and I'll never be able to go back to the world. You need an altar between you and AI. You need an altar between you and the world that keeps you consecrated, that keeps you strengthened, that keeps you in contact with God, that keeps you committed to the things of God. Because sometimes the world can look so attractive but you need an altar that you built between the two. And then in Genesis 22, find another altar. Now, these are just a couple of altars that he built, and I'm moving on. But he built an altar, of course, the one that is most famous to us on Mount Moriah. When he laid that sun down and submitted everything that he had and even his future and every promise that God had given him, he laid it on the altar. You need an altar of surrender. If you're going to continue to live for God and be successful and you're going to keep the devil off your back, you need an altar of surrender where you say, God, everything I have, you gave it to me anyway. I'm not going to get too big in my own eyes that I cannot allow you to speak to me and talk to me and deal with me. I'm going to stay soft towards you. I'm going to stay open towards you. I need you. I need your touch. I need you so desperately in my life that I'll surrender everything. Amen. I'll even surrender my future. Amen. Some of you got great goals for the future and you should have but you better make up your mind tonight I'm committing that all to God I'm giving it all to him because we don't know if we're going to be here a year from now only God knows that I'm going to plan like I'm going to live a long time but God it's all in your hands and I trust you and I surrender everything to you I don't understand why I'm not getting a little bit more help than what I'm getting right now because I'm preaching the truth You 
know why? Because too many people in this room are living for their flesh. They're living for this world. They're living for their bank account. They're living for their career. They think it's me, 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 me. I'm going to tell you something. You need to learn how to live for God instead of yourself all the time. And you'd be a whole lot more happy. and why some of you are miserable and you're not happy and why you can't smile and you walk around with a scowl on your face half the time is because you're living for you and that's a small package to live in. This world's bigger than you, sir. This world's bigger than you, man. You may be 21 and think you got the world by the tail, but if you live as long as I have, you'll realize there's a whole lot more to live for than money. That's right. Praise God. If you can have peace in your life and know that your soul is right with God, that's what's going to matter most to you. You think about what I just said. Praise God. You got to stay close to the altar. You got to stay close to the altar. Elijah was untouchable because he was close to the fire. Woo! Praise God. That's why we need to move with the Holy Ghost. That's why I chide you a little bit when, when we get a little bit too comfortable. That's why I prod you a little bit and say, come on now. Come on now. We need to worship God. By Why? Because I know that's what leads to, to God moving and God working and, and a move of God's spirit. And We need a fresh experience in God. We can't live on what happened 10 years ago. You, you may have had a great blessing a, a decade ago, but that's not going to sustain you now. You need something fresh. You need to be on fire for God at this point. Don't talk about what you used to do what you used to be tell me about what you are right now are you on fire for God now are you faithful to God now are you a worshiper of God now do you love God as much now He said, I got to get in the move of God. I got to get where the Spirit is moving. I got to stay close to the fire falling. I'm going to tell you, that's why every church service, we need a move of God. And every church service, everyone that's here should be here in the presence of God, absorbing as much of it as you possibly can. Because where the fire is, there's protection. Where the fire is and the glory is, there is the protection of Almighty God. Let's lift up our hands to him and praise him right now. Woo! Why don't you stand to your feet, lift up your hands to him right now. I gotta sustain this momentum. Then finally, he was in the midst of worshipers. In the midst of worshipers. A couple of times in this text it says, and all the people. I love it. I love it when there's somebody that's bold enough to worship God and step out and be that lone person that is the initiator. But I can tell you there's nothing quite like it when corporately 
when the Spirit of God moves upon a church and the whole church, everybody, everybody that has the Holy Ghost, everybody that knows Him says, hey, I detect God is moving in this place. I detect the Spirit is, is ministering in this house. And they start worshiping the Lord. And, and it's like the sound of many waters uh, across that, that congregation when folks begin to worship uh, the Lord. You talk about momentum. You talk about a spiritual, a spiritual move that, that the devil can't stop. The devil can't hinder. The devil can't squelch. The devil can't get in the way of. You talk about steamrolling opposition and spiritual strongholds being brought down. You talk about walls crumbling. You talk about barriers being removed. You talk about spiritual breakthrough when people start worshiping and praying. Go out with all their heart. And all the people, when he prayed, saw that fire fall. And they fell on their face. And they said, the Lord, he is the God. As if to say that that's not enough. They said it again. The Lord, he is the God. Amen. No question now. He's the God that answers by fire. He's the only God that's deserving of our worship and our praise and our thanksgiving. Hey, I can't help but wonder what kind of move we could have here tonight if it started right over here and it swept all across this building and people just begin to worship the Lord with it not being contrived, nobody forcing you to do it, but from the depths of your heart, lifting up your voice. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost? Let it start right over here. Let it sweep through this place. Let the power of God move in this house. Some Somebody praise the Lord with all your might right now. There's no God like our God, the Lord, who is the God. I want everybody to come. I want you to come just as close into this altar as you can. Come on. Let's don't stream up down the aisles. Let's come in just as close as we can. Hallelujah. Let's let God have his way here tonight. Let's God, let God have his way. You want to fortify yourself against tomorrow and the attack of Jezebel and the attack of the devil? You want to fortify yourself against the enemy? I'll tell you how to do it. Get right up here with the worshipers tonight. Get right up here in the presence of God tonight. Get right up here and lift your voice to him tonight. Let God move. Let God touch you.